Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Venture X card from Capital One gives you premium travel benefits. Perfect for seeing Taylor Swift The Eras Tour. Presented by Capital One. Ooh, I do love her. Earn five times miles on flights and ten times miles on hotels through Capital One Travel. Enjoy your stay in Suite 13. Whoa, 13? That's Taylor's lucky number. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. Hey out there, rock and rollers. Welcome to the 30th edition of the Ugly American Werewolf in London Rock Podcast, recorded in central London, just off Abbey Road. And we appreciate all our listeners and people tuning in to our past episodes all over the world. Want to give a shout out to Rock Frog Ian, who listened to our 28th episode on Genesis, Selling England by the Pound, and pointed out a couple of facts that we had uh, messed up on. For instance, it wasn't Phil Collins' uh, first time to sing on a Genesis album lead. That was a couple albums earlier on Nursery Crime. And we appreciate you listening. And holding us accountable, man. We love rock and roll. We love the minutiae of rock and roll. We're two old friends who want to know everything about every band, every album, every lineup, every member, every song. But nobody knows everything. And that's why we do the podcast, to share what we know and hopefully learn from what other rock fans around the world want to know. There's all sorts of great subgenres. There's all sorts of fan bases. There's all sorts of great music out there. It's hard for everybody to know everything. So let's share what we do know. And speaking of that, this week we talk about a band that I shared with Jackson back in our college days. The church broke in America with a song called Under the Milky Way in 1988. And it was big on alternative rock stations. MTV would feature it kind of in the alternative 120-minute shows. But it was off their album Starfish. This Australian band had already made four records in their native Australia. But this was the first one with Arista in the United States. Bigger record contract, producer... So after seven, eight years of success on their home soil, the album Starfish really broke the band The Church. Now, that was a high point for The Church in America, and really for a lot of places around the world. But the fact of the matter is, The Church continued to make music for over 30 years, releasing more than 20 records. Not to mention an amazing live in Australia at the the Sydney Opera House with an orchestra. It's amazing. But at any rate, this was the high watermark point for these guys. And I found them through 120 minutes. I thought that song was great. I got their record, Starfish. I listened to it back to front. And it was different from the 
American, just straightforward, hard rock, classic rock that I was used to from the radio. It had a mellow, moody, kind of atmospheric thing to it, and it was just a good album to chill out to. And so it led me to find their other albums, and Heyday, which came right before it, some of their early singles, some of the records that came later. The Trips were a solid lineup with three amazing songwriters in Peter Copps on guitar, Marty Wilson Piper on guitar, and Steve Kilby on bass and vocals. Together in a part, they've written over a thousand songs and had a career going 40 years. It's amazing. Not a super well-known band, and that's why I thought I would share with you today, because Jackson didn't know it when we got to school together. He's like, yeah, okay, it's not really my thing, but they've got some really nice interweaving guitar work. I mean, if you like hard rock with two guitars jamming together, maybe one lead, one rhythm, you'll like the way these guys interweave their guitars. It's not big, hard riffs, kind of like the noodly bits, the fiddly bits, if you will, in the UK, that make a really nice sound. This album is a great gateway to the church, so we're going to review that here now. Please follow us on Twitter. That's how we found Rock Froggy in, and that's why we want to connect with all of you. So it's at ugly underscore werewolf or at actionjack72, and you can check out all of our past episodes at www.uglyamericanwerewolf.libsyn, L-I-B-S-Y-N. So if you're a child of the late 80s into alternative music, you probably remember the church. Most people know under the Milky Way. And it's lived on in TV and movies like Darnie Darko, which kind of has a cult following. But that one big hit got them to me. So whether you're a big fan or you're just hearing about them, Jackson and I are going to talk about Starfish by the church here on The Wolf. Podcast listeners, Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house, and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Yes, The Church. Not a big band. Not one everyone's super familiar with. I mean, I think most people are familiar with the song Under the Milky Way. I don't know that everyone knows it's The Church, but it was kind of a big hit in America, certainly in Australia. Don't think it did quite as well over here in Europe, but that big hit is one that kind of everyone's familiar with. But not many people know much about The Church other than that. And I feel like you're in that camp. I definitely am, and I think I think that if you told them Under the Milky Way by The Church, 
what? No, I don't know that song. But then if you played it, oh, yeah, 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 I've heard that before. Oh, yeah, okay, Donnie Darko. Uh, it was in Miami Vice, but I, I think most people would say Donnie Darko over Asian Cut from 1988, maybe? Yeah, maybe. But, yeah, but yeah, I did not, not, a, not a band that people are familiar with. I don't ever remember hearing that song before you introduced me to it uh, on the record. Mm-hmm. And so, wait, 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 very catchy, great song, but not, you're right, not one that got its just dues in the U.S. market. Um, although, I mean, I think on Main Street Rock, it got all the way up to number two on that chart. And, it, and the album itself, Starfish, went gold in the U.S. Certainly, it's the, the church's biggest selling album. I came to them through 120 minutes. We've talked before about how, you know, we grew up in the early 80s to mid 80s. A lot of pop music, a lot of MTV. And, you know, we've done shows on Duran Duran and Asian and Police and the stuff that we like, Def Leppard, Van Halen. And then it seemed once I was in high school, 87, 88 in that time, it was time to find, it was time to grow up from pop music. Like I knew I liked rock and roll, but I didn't like all the pop that kept coming out. And I needed to have access to some music that was going to be kind of timeless. You know, something that wasn't just going to be hot for six months. And then it's like, oh my God, I can't believe I had this cassette or whatever it is, you know? And then I had a buddy, Todd. Todd, who was smart, he, he went into music in his career. He owns a music label, like an electronic music label. Like, not stuff that we would be into, but it's like, he's done it his whole life. I'm like, kudos, man. But we kind of went on a journey together, you know? And we got into the, the early Beatles stuff, because CDs were out, and he was starting to get, like, Beatles stuff, and really the classics. But he also was into alternative music, like R.E.M., Smiths, New Order, and, and stuff like that that I might not be exposed to. And then MTV kind of had this thing called 120 Minutes, which was on, I don't know, I think it may have been on Sunday nights. Yeah. Because yeah, I think I Headbangers that. Ball was on Saturday night, right? Correct. At like, you know, 11 o'clock or midnight or something. Correct. Right. Yeah, it, that, that was when MTV was kind of starting to branch out into like uh, more specific formats instead of having, you know, everything just thrown at you. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, so you had that, you had 120 Minutes, something like that. But yeah, it was like, if you like this, mm-hmm. but it, it was kind of cool too because if you watch that show, you know, Headbangers Ball or 120 Minutes, it was cool because they said, if you like this, you're probably going to like this too. They play more obscure stuff that you weren't going to see during the day. And then you'd say, oh yeah, hey, okay. I mean, you're not going to love everything, especially on Headbangers Ball. I couldn't get into some of the stuff there. Cannibal Corpse. Uh, <laughs> oof, this is a little, Napalm Death was a little bit too heavy duty. But yeah, it was kind of cool because that's that's really what we're looking for. You're looking for that song or the band. Would you say, I've never heard of them before. I would have never listened to them before, but this is pretty cool. Thank you for turning me on to this. Right. And that's what I used 120 minutes for. They would usually have, you know, the first hour would be college radio hits, you know, like Robin Hitchcock and the Egyptians were big back then. They're on college radio and the Violent Femmes, you know, would, would have songs on there and stuff and like the Pixies and Stuff that may not be super pop, it's not hard rock, so it doesn't fit into that category. It's not like arena rock. It's kind of got that independent rock label. It's it's kind of where bands that aren't huge and maybe don't fit into one category or another might have a chance, might be the only chance you get to see them on MTV because you're right I mean they're doing the heavy duty pop rock programming during most of the day but all these bands from all different genres make videos and fine you're not going to play you know whoever The Fall you know in the middle of the day but you know they've got videos so you got to give them a chance to be seen and I think it helped a lot of small bands break out in America and really helped build college radio I think too yeah and, and, and I think you're right but my problem with this point in time was that bands that you're talking about were missing a very huge part 
and that's like the heavy duty guitar riff. Mm. They don't. A lot of them don't have. A lot of them are, are very melodic. So for me at this time, I was like, eh, I don't like. You know, you're talking about like the Pixies and stuff. Like, eh, no, it's you know hard rock, easy eh, right. eh, Led Zeppelin. And so I really feel like I missed out on that at that point in time. And now as I've gotten older and I can go back and listen to that, you know what? I really, you know, the the 16, 17 year old me was not into this, but I can now I can really appreciate it more. Uh, so which is cool because now, like you said, time music that's really what we're looking for not something like wow that oof, that didn't age well right. yikes the thing is i think part of why it caught on with me the church is because it is guitar driven it may not have huge power chords but they do do solos a lot of alternative stuff didn't really have solos in it they kind of have maybe a musical interlude um less than a solo I, I was big into rem though and and of course they had finally gone mainstream they were like the biggest quote-unquote mm -hmm. underground alternative band they hit big with the one i love off document and then of course they went on to the big record label the huge multi-million dollar contract and then kind of broke out and like everybody knows rem and, um, and i remember that particularly because i was never i never listened to rem i mean i heard the one i love and so i was like okay you know whatever but that was a big line in the sand for mm -hmm. REM people because the old school REM people, including my wife, hated the new stuff because it was too commercial. You sold out. Right. And I, I would actually agree with her. This, the earlier stuff that I never listened to but got into later is a lot better in my opinion because it's more raw. It's more them doing their own thing. Yeah, I agree with you there. I, and most REM fans do. Yeah, Todd really liked Green. And it was my first kind of big concert. We saw them on the Green Tour. Um, they came to Louisville. It was actually in the venue where Muhammad Ali refused to be inducted into the army, into the armory. They call it the Louisville Gardens. And it was cool, but it, yeah, it was, it was, that was not quite REM anymore. Now look, it, it, same band, same lineup. It's just they've got more money behind them. They're not four kids from Georgia trying to make it. I like Peter Buck a lot as a guitar player, not flashy did good solos and he was smart he's like look i've done a lot of research on this the main reason bands break up is because of publishing you know somebody one person writes a song they get rich there's jealousies and then there's musical differences and people break up we'll all bring what we bring to the songs we'll just do all songs by rem and I think it helped them have, you know, a nice, long, sustained, successful career. They they never had any lineup changes. Bill Berry eventually left, I think, after he had an aneurysm. They didn't replace him. They just got a, you know, a drummer for, for tours. And they never really had anybody else in the band than those four guys, which is cool. And I would say that's, if you go back and look at the history of rock and roll in general, that's probably the Achilles heel for most of it. You know, you start off, everybody's, you know, broke, mm -hmm. a nobody. You get going, all of a sudden, one or two people start making the money, and yeah, that's when the that's when the wheels come off. So yeah, absolutely. And my thing too is, if you're not a drummer, how do you write that part? If you're not a you know whatever, it's you know the person's doing something. So just make it easy. But oh well, it's you know the lure of you know uh, no I'm in charge. I do everything here. This is my band. Okay. Well, and and, and some people don't want the responsibility either. I mean that's the thing. I mean they, they might complain that they don't have any of the royalties, but if, like if you don't contribute, you know some people don't want that. I don't know. So did. You you, okay, so on the church, mm -hmm. did you you got into it with Starfish? You hadn't listened to anything else. That was your first foray into the band. That's right. I saw Under okay. the Milky Way on 120 Minutes. I'm like, that song's amazing. I want to get that. I bought it on cassette. Okay, okay. Uh, and it's interesting because the kind of the genesis for this was starting that and then looking at the two bookend albums, which would be Heyday and then the Golden Afternoon Fix. 
And so I started at the beginning because I wasn't really, I mean, even Starfish for mm-hmm. this show, I mean, I was a little bit, but not a whole bunch. So sure. I started with Heyday and I like that record a lot. It, it To me, it's, it's kind of all over the map uh, and it's not, they don't have one certain style. So it has that like mid 80s kind of alternative feel to it that I can't believe that wasn't a bigger hit for them because I really like this record start to finish. Well, that's the thing. That's another reason why I wanted to do a show on this record is because Under the Milky Way has gone around the world and, you know, done fantastic for them. But the whole album, there's no clunkers on it. It all fits together really well. It's always been an album that I could listen to from start to finish, you know, and it's very atmospheric. It's kind of moody. They had a, they had a, a, an odd term for them it was called like a new wave neo psychedelia or dream pop i'm like well dream okay, pop. okay. I, that's kind of a new one but yeah it's it because of that kind of moody atmospheric thing that that i guess is where the dream thing comes from so i, I guess that makes sense but yeah i mean top to bottom this album is is so good and and it's just one of those once i picked it up it was always around and anytime you need to just chill out a little bit and you know, as much as we love the rock and roll the hard rock the big guitars the party music sometimes you just need to chill a little bit and this is a perfect album to, to do that to and honestly when i was listening to all three of these i did not i like starfish the least and it just didn't it just was kind of like bouncing off me i don't know because again there wasn't there wasn't big hook the big rip but then after about i don't know maybe like trip three through it Mm -hmm. uh, wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute okay now i'm hearing this okay it's starting to grow on me and to me there are a lot of songs that i heard the first time i'd never heard the song i'm like oh that song is awesome and then you know you listen to it a lot like but this is the other way around this is the more you listen to it you're like okay yeah you start to hear different things you start to really listen to the lyrics and think about okay you know what what are you trying to tell me here what's going on here and no there aren't there aren't flashy solos there aren't flashy hooks but it will grow on you and it's like a it's like a friend hey buddy let's hang out for <laughs> you know 40 something minutes or whatever i i liked it i it, Again, it didn't grab me at the beginning, but I like it a lot now that I've kind of gotten to know it better. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. I mean, and, and you know, for the most part, the band do share writing throughout, like even the drummer. What I learned that was interesting to me, uh, Gary, was that this was produced by our buddy Waddy Wachtel of the Expensive Winos fame. Correct. Yeah, I, I read that too, and I was like, oh, okay, you know, all the, all the worlds come together. Uh, I didn't know that Waddy was a producer. I mean, I, I knew him from session work. I knew him from the expensive winos. But yeah, that was kind of a cool thing. And that makes me, again, once I learned that, you go back and listen to it with kind of that knowledge uh, and it may be a greater appreciation. But apparently that would come to be a bone of contention on the next record. But we'll get to that that's, in a few moments. Yeah, that's fair enough. You know, it's to walk a little bit through the record, you know, these songs are a little longer than most, you know, four and a half, five, six minutes sometimes. The band, really, is Steve Kilby on bass and vocals doing most all of the writing, songwriting, uh, lyric writing. And the church have put out more than 20 albums, and he's put out like 14 solo albums. He's, he's registered over a thousand songs 
with wow. basically the Australian version of ASCAP. It's, it's unbelievable. He, like so many Australians, was born in the UK uh, and eventually emigrated to, to Canberra. Peter Copps is a guitar player, a big tall guy, who he had met as a as a kid. He, I think he grew up in, in Canberra. They had a couple bands together before eventually they put together the church. And they put together the church with a drummer called Nick Ward. And then Marty Wilson Piper, who was also from England, and then bust around Europe for a while, he emigrated to Australia, you know, when he was in 1980 or whatever, went to a church concert, and they asked him to join. And then he was in the band for more than 30 years, you know, and is a great songwriter. Again, has worked, has made some solo albums, and has worked with some different bands, and is a talented guy. And I think he's a teetotaler, like no drinking, no smoking, no booze. And it's just him and Cobbs together have this nice guitar feel, but it's not just like a bluesy, hard-rocky Aerosmith kind of mesh that they have it's it's something a little more folk maybe um yeah so yeah they're, they're, it doesn't it doesn't really seem like there's one lead, even though he's he's in the stuff that i've read it's lead guitars is what he's credited as it doesn't really it's, it's more like they play off each other back mm-hmm. and forth more than a lead and a rhythm section that's right it's really it's the three of them that were always the band and the creative force in the band war didn't last too long richard plug joined it was really with them throughout the 80s although and of course he's in the video front of the milky way that was one that steve wrote with his girlfriend karen jansen and with whom he had you know twin daughters and she was in a band of her own they wrote that together but plug didn't even play on it because they like we couldn't get the drum sound quite right for what they wanted so they had to bring in somebody else to do that and like that sucks like that's the biggest number one hit it's cool that you're in the video and always you can show people yeah that was me in the church but you didn't even play on that song, man. That kind of sucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that does because again, you know, then then the cracks start to emerge, and yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't know what they what he was playing that they didn't like, but yeah, it was something where they just said, okay, stop, We're, this is not going to work, and I can imagine that was not a pleasant conversation to have with this guy. Like, we're going to take this in a different direction. Sorry, but the, I mean, it went well. I mean, it it, it got into top twenty five, I think, in Australia, top forty in America. The album, the song went up to number two mainstream rock and a couple of b-sides warm spell and musk that kind of appear on the deluxe version which i I can talk a little bit about also anna miranda i guess was a a spanish b-side thing that actually incorporates a little bit of under the milky way in it i don't know if you had a chance to hear that one yeah i did that was kind of cool because you're right you know you listen to that and you say okay well you know what was this was this like a was this just a demo thing that they did was it kind of a side idea but yeah it is kind of cool to see that you know ideas coming together yeah throw it together and you know make something yeah. kind of cool out of it and it got them the chance to, to tour and, and do bigger tours you know for a while there plus then when it came time to do gold afternoon fix they get bigger budget videos you know and the metropolis video is kind of big budget and i always want to when we go over an album, it, it's it's important to understand where it is, place and time, as far as where music is then, where the band is coming from, going to then. And that's why I wanted to talk about Heyday and then afterwards Gold Afternoon Fix, which is probably my least favorite of the three. I do like Metropolis. I do like some of the songs on there. There's no doubt about it. But to me, Heyday is awesome. Yeah. Mirror and Tantalize, those two songs alone are fantastic church songs. Again, atmospheric and moody, but it's got guitar work, but it's not holding it's not flying up and down the neck it's like holding notes and bending them and then pulling more out of them with maybe the bar or something like that the tremolo it's I don't know I I think it's great and I'm like wow why didn't that hit too but I mean obviously not everybody hits and and coming from Australia it's got to be tough yeah unless you're 
And okay, so you think of who who was coming out of Australia? Probably in excess is the the big one. You know, in excess had the hooks. They had Michael Hutchinson, who was a very attractive man. And so you put all that together, and you could package it. I think these guys probably they didn't have a big hit single off Heyday that you could you could put on MTV a thousand times. But you're right. This came out in what eighty five, and it does sound like it could fit in with REM at that time, even a little bit mm-hmm. of U2 mm-hmm. maybe. Yeah. Just kind of like that bass driven feel on a lot of these songs. I, I think you're right. I don't know why this wasn't a bigger hit, especially on the, you know, even the 120 minutes crowd. I know. Yeah. But then, but you know, 120 minutes, they didn't have 120 minutes in 1985. You know, the, the Smiths were big in England, but they weren't real big in America. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. on college radio again, but you're not going to get on mainstream MTV competing with Duran Duran. If you're the Smiths, in, in America. That's just kind of the way it was. And finally, they realized, you know, we're underserving some of our potential audience here. It can't just be top 40 and rock and classic stuff all the time. We, we've got to mix stuff in that are on different charts. I mean, they still never went very big with country, but right. I mean, that, that was fine with us, obviously. But, you know, they, they eventually, you know, they had Yo! MTV raps and they had Headbangers Ball and they had 120 Minutes. I feel like they had like a 30 minute version of 120 Minutes during the weekdays, if I'm not mm-hmm. Mistaken. One of the, the kind of the second wave of MTV BJs, she said, you know, after a while, you'll run out of things to say about Bon Jovi's Dead or Alive. Right. Like, I just can't. We've played this so many times. It's just, here it is again. So yeah, to have that other vein of music to put on was refreshing at the time. Because, I mean, again, even if you didn't really like all that stuff, at least it was something different. Give me something different to listen to. I can't take this anymore. <laughs> the church had done well in Australia. You know, their first album of Skins and Hearts, you know, had un- the unguarded moment, which is a good pop song. If you get to, there's a great, for those who, who want to listen to more, or you know, they have a hard time listening to three albums, it's okay to start with the greatest hits. There's a greatest hits album called, wait for it, Under the Milky Way, the very best of the church, <laughs> which goes from 1980 to about 1999 or so. It, it, it's a great disc, and it'll help introduce you to a lot of that. And that's where I find some of these records. You can always just go back and say, okay, what was the record before Starfish? It's Hey Day, okay, give it to me. But I got the Greatest Hits album, and I heard Mirror and Tantalize. I'm like, well, Gosh, those are really good songs. Maybe I should get that record. Yeah, I even had one on, on the, the song Disenchanted. It almost felt like a Tom Petty song. So yeah, it, they really, I, I don't know whether they were doing that on purpose or, I mean, you can't, my thing is everybody wants to be somebody else. Like, you know, you grew up listening to whatever and I want to be that person. So this could have been one of those things, kind of everything coming together in this record. A lot of REM is what I got off of that, off Heyday. Yeah, and and, and it's weird too because it, it, REM wasn't that big in America at that time. So I don't know whether they it was just a coincidence or they were listening to it in Australia. I don't know. Who knows? Good question though. Yeah, and you know, was what? What about? I mean, they made it in LA with Wadi. What was it like being in LA? Was that did that change your perspective on things? Did that loosen up the reins a little bit and say, all right, well, we can include some more sounds in here because we're not just at home in our native Australia? Or did it make you you know realize, all right, this is now we need to make sure this sounds like us and we don't get corrupted by the filthy Americans who are trying to make us rich. Well, it's funny, too, because you say that, that that song, North, South, East, and West. You know, you're like, oh, blah, blah. Then you listen to it, and you're like, oh, wait a minute, you're bagging on L.A. That's a <laughs> that's a dig at everything American, and to the face of today is just a scalpel away. <laughs> it's like, oh, geez, okay. So, and, and it's interesting, too, to see somebody who's not from America, and especially not from L.A., to get there. I mean, it's like the Axl Rose, Welcome to the Jungle. You know, mm-hmm. you get there you say this is a crazy place 
place. <laughs> this, I mean, it's insane. Everybody is just totally 100% interested in money and how you look and how you present yourself to people. So I can imagine these dudes showing up there saying, oh, this isn't what I thought it was at all. I yeah. thought it was, you know, everybody was happy and free. And so, yeah, interesting. But I think I think on Starfish, yes, they, it's more of their, they're finding their own sound that they want to, they want to put forth. And Destination, Blood Money, Lost, North, South, East, and West, Antenna, and Reptile were all co-written by the four members of the band. Which is pretty cool. You know, everybody gets some credit there. Yeah. Um, obviously, we talked how Kilby wrote Under the Milky Way with Karen Jansen. Marty Wilson Piper did Spark, uh, which is the first side, uh, first song on side two, which I really like. And they let him sing a little bit, too, which is cool. Cops wrote A New Season, which is the second from the end. And Hotel Womb, which is a nice way to end the album is a Kilby original. So it's like all three main sing- songwriters get one to themselves. And they split most of the rest with uh, with Kilby and, and his woman writing the big Uber hit. But, you know, they did enough stuff really for a whole second record. There's a They eventually had a, I think it was a 30th anniversary series in the U.S. It came out. And there's another 12 songs. Now, three of them are acoustic versions, including Under the Milky Way and Ten and Spark. And I'd heard a couple of those again thanks to the heady days of Napster I, I did get to hear some of those alternative versions the, the the other thing that I'm thinking about now that's interesting both with this record and then the next record is so the big hits under the Milky Way right right and the kind of the big the big catch in that is that what what is that thing that they're playing it sounds like a bagpipe yeah it's it's I, I did some reading it's actually an ebo and the guitar mm-hmm. but as far as I can hear they never use that again I'm like well, that's kind of cool because that was kind of your signature sound on that track and it's cool that it wasn't like here it is again and here it is again and we're going to split it into every other track on there or on the next record so I thought that was kind of cool because for such a big hit for them it's kind of a standalone piece with that instrumentation in it. Yes, good call there. Yeah. You struggle you know in your home country but but you do well. You get stuff in your own charts, you know you get to tour around maybe you get to come to England sometime maybe you get to come to America once in a while but then you have this big thing you know, and, and Reptile was also released. And I love that song, especially the, the way Marty does the guitar at the beginning. Mm, 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 mm. Sounds yeah. fair, but it's great. Just a super song. The whole thing, front to back, I can listen to over and over and over again. But then they hit big. Boom. Now you can really tour America. Now you can really go to South America if you want or, you know, set your sights around the world. Hit it big. The next record, you'll be able to do bigger, better things. And I, I think it may have started to pull on some people a little bit here, right? So, because mm-hmm. it was Plugs. I think he stuck around to Gold Afternoon Fix, but then he basically left the band after that. Kilby started to do heroin, and that's not good for you. <laughs> that's it's never a good. I I, I really I read that too because even though even though the album is called Gold Afternoon Fix, mm-hmm. it, apparently it doesn't really have anything to do with heroin at that point in time. I think it's something about like you know the they set the price every day for gold or whatever. But the, the fact that he started to do heroin at this point in time, you just want to go back and say why did you think that was a good idea? It's never ever ever going to end well for you. I don't know of anybody who ever said hey, a little bit of heroin and yeah, no big deal every once in a while it's either you don't do it or you're rock bottom there's there's no in between with that seems to be and like the buddy or the friend 
who like had it and Steve's like, hey man, can I have some of that? He's like, no, man, you, you don't want any of this. Don't don't do this. And he's like, no, man, come on, I'll just have a little bit. Come on. And he said, first time he did it, oh, he loved it. And like basically went to see him the next day. Like, where can I get some more of that stuff? I'm like, that's 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 bad, man. That's bad. Yeah, it's just and, and I've heard from from people who are on it or have been on it, <laughs> mm-hmm. you get to the point where it's like, I guess if you don't have it, you get really sick. Once you get to to be addicted and you just get to the point where you're like, I'm just trying to not get sick anymore. And I'm like, Ugh, that's a that's just a horrible way to live your life. So kids I can tell you anything. Don't do drugs. Don't do, or at least don't do heroin. Don't do heroin. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. a terrible, terrible drug. Yeah, but the, the other thing that I thought was interesting about this record was apparently so you have Starfish, which is your big hit. Like you said, you had the hit, you had the tour. Okay, boom, you go in to make the next record. And apparently the record company said, uh, easy there, fellas. We're going to have to hear some demos first before we – and I can imagine at that time you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> what do you mean demos? You know who we are. You know what we sold. We just need to do our thing. So I don't – so I think the problem is that when, when you get to the point where it, the, the record company wants to make sure that this next one is even more successful. And so then they start to right. meddle in there. And then it gets into apparently they wanted to work with John Paul Jones of Led Zeppelin fame. And the record company said, Starfish was a hit. Wadi Waddell was a hit. You're doing this again. So I don't know whether, I don't know whether that caused tensions in right. the band to, right off the bat, but I can't imagine they just said, oh, okay, that's fine, and moved on with it without being resentful. Yeah, Arista feared a Jones Church collaboration might turn out too arty and non commercial, and so they vetoed it. Man, that must suck. Like, if you had a chance to yeah. work with John Paul Jones, like, okay, let's do it. And the record company says, nah, just use the same guy from last time. Like, oh, man. Because, because really what it comes down to is we just want to sell records. You're here to sell records. That's what you're, mm-hmm. oh, I think we could make a great record with this guy. I don't care. I want money. Give me money. <laughs> right. And then I guess the deal was the wheels were starting to come off with the drummer right. at this point in time. Mm-hmm. He only played on, I think, a couple of tracks. And they were saying, too, about how they didn't hire somebody else. Like, they just played to, like, click tracks. Mm-hmm. So then it's just like, what, what are we even doing here? Now we can't get somebody else in here. And so, yeah, I can imagine that coming off a high of making a very successful record, this is, you, you think it was going to be easy, and then it just turns out to just be the opposite, really. It's just wall after wall getting thrown up in front of you. I know. And it's sad, you know. And, well, yeah, and and so you, you have your, and, and everyone always hopes, okay, now we've had some success. The next one could be just as successful, if not more successful. We just stay at that level. That's great. And Metropolis was kind of a hit. You know, I think it got into some of the charts in America, certainly the alternative charts. And, and the video was big budget. It's almost an hour-long record, and there weren't that many. I don't know. I mean, you said you liked it better than Starfish, though, right? I mean... Well, on, on the first time through, I, it, to me, it had more of a... It, it was a little more guitar-driven to mm-hmm. me. It sounded like it was a little more a little more upbeat. But then when I... Again, when I went and listened to it again, there are a couple things like, you're still so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Is like, wait, again, what are we trying to say here? Are we trying to... Are we trying to... And, and I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into this, but are we still saying that the band is still viable? We still love each other? And then you go right into disappointment. Like, <laughs> where was your head at, at when you were doing this? Again, the more you listen to it, the more your mind kind of goes. Like, I try and I try and think about, you know, what were you trying to, what are you trying to tell me here? And where were you when you wrote this thing? And those two tracks, especially, I'm like, oh, I, I see trouble here. I see that mm. they're they're not happy with what's going on. Well, and I think after the tour, they they did kind of go their separate. 
separate ways a little bit, you know. I mean, uh, Kilby went off and did solo tours and solo records. I think Peter Copps had a, a side project, I think they're called The Well, plus he did some solo stuff of his own. Uh, Marty Wilson Piper was with um, a couple of different... I think the thing is, like, you, when you're when you're kind of getting going and you're, you're nobody's and you're broke, you're kind of like a, you're a gang and you're all together. And then once the money and the fame comes in, it just starts to it starts to just naturally split apart. And I go back to I go back to a story I heard about Paul Correa, who was a big time hockey player, mm-hmm. and he said the most fun he ever had was in college because everybody because they they were at the top of their game physically. Mm-hmm. They, they were on a big time team. No one had anything. They didn't have any money. Right. They didn't have any family. They were only there to play hockey. You kind of get to that point where you know that's all we're here to do. All we do in the morning is we get up. You know, we we live in a crappy apartment somewhere. Right. We come and we play all day together, and then we go home and go to sleep. Yeah. Now you've got money. Now you've got other commitments. You've got you know family, and it just it just start. It's just not the same anymore. And I think there are people who they grab onto that. They say, well, this is the natural progression. And then there are some people like, no, I want that. I want mm-hmm. that original. You know, four walls and a ceiling. We're we're in this together. And this, I think, was the part where it was starting to come apart. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So everyone's off doing solo stuff, and then for a while, Peter Copps leaves the band in the '90s. You know, the the church kind of continue on. They've kind of always continued on. And now they're even in an incarnation, which really just Steve Kilby and three other guys, kind mm-hmm. of. Because I, I saw them and paid not a whole lot of money, um, honestly, <laughs> to meet them, to hang out with them. I guess it was after the show. They were on a tour of North America. Sometimes they would headline and sometimes they would open for the Psychedelic Furs. So okay. sometimes they do, you know, an hour, 45 minute, do their whole rundown. But sometimes it was only about like a 45, 50 minute thing. So when we saw them, it was, they were just kind of opening, which, which was kind of upsetting to me is like I really wanted to see the whole set but it was in a it was in a club only a couple miles from my house so I was like that's a great commute that's awesome and you know and they, they give you autograph stuff or whatever they come out and meet us and so I got to meet Steve Kilby and and he was a bit of a weirdo but he was nice enough and he signed my cassette you know fold out um, and I talked to Peter nice. Co- I, yeah I talked to Peter Copps for a while he was a nice guy you know I, I Ian Hogg had replaced Marty Wilson Piper I had known that Marty had left I think in 2013 2014 around there for good um, and he ended up moving to Sweden but they got this guy Ian Haug from Powderfinger I guess he was a nice enough guy and then the, the drummer finally got sorted out and he's been there for a while yeah he's been there since like 95 or 96 now in fact you know because Peter Copps eventually came back to the band like in the late 90s Tim Powell's sorry Tim Powell's was a drummer 94 to present he's still in the band so I mean he's I would call him a bona fide member he just didn't play on any of these albums that we're kind of talking about today but had the gig for more than 25 years and I guess a guy called Jeffrey Kane who had been like a a touring guitarist you know like a guy who kind of sits behind him or whatever he got got promoted now that Peter left and and I I just got the feeling that now the church will probably continue in some form I'm still on their mailing list I get stuff from them once in a while but you know they're, they're kind of to me they're kind of done with about Marty and Peter that's not really the church anymore I mean you can still hear him you know if you really want to hear him play go here under the Milky Way do that it's good to support bands and, and again it's it's one of those bands where it's like I, okay these aren't the Rolling Stones I don't I kind of need to buy their albums 
If I like them, I want them to keep going. I need to support them. So as they continue to put out, is it 24 albums or something like that? I bought most of them. And it's always, and it isn't always great, but it's always kind of atmospheric and moody. It also, you know, it's always kind of a good thing to put on to have a chill to. And and I, it's one of those bands I wish people would know more of them, but I think probably their their days are, are numbered as, a, as an entity. They've been going over 40 years. They really only have the singer left as far as the, the real songwriters in the band. So I don't know. We'll see. But it is, it is cool. It is interesting to me because I this this is the kind of music that I like the most. When you again the the initial run through is eh, this doesn't really do it for me because it doesn't hook, but it grows on you. It it becomes a friend of yours. And so if you my thought is if you like the other stuff, just go ahead and check out the new stuff anyway. You may not love it the same way, but it, it's going to be at least something to listen to. Like you said, atmospheric, chill. Everybody's got to do something where you just kind of you know put that on the background and i think the more that you do listen to it the more that you'll like it and again like you said these guys are artists they're not the rolling stones they're not going to sell a thousand t-shirts and stickers and Mm -hmm. you know their songs aren't going to be in tvs and movies so that that's how they support themselves is with album sales yeah you know and and now of course going to tour so i encourage people to go see the church and bands like that if they can and like go back to of skins and hearts and blurred crusade and seance the stuff before heyday and starfish you know and and there's stuff you know later you know forget yourself hologram of ball and even further deeper which came out in what like 2014 or something like that you know had this song delirious on it which fit in great with all their old stuff so i'm like see they can still do it they're a good band and you think of all the songs they've written god if they made all those albums and then all those solo albums and stuff like that they're obviously good musicians so yeah go find something and pick it up and it's cool too because you you see how the wheels are always turning in your head if you're if you really are a songwriter that's what you're doing all the time like it's just there's something hey i think that's something let me write that down so it is cool to to see that that a guy like Kilby kept going, didn't get discouraged. You know, one of these guys that, did, oh, yeah, I haven't put out a record in 25 years because who cares? And people only want to hear Under the Milky Way, which is probably true. Mm-hmm. But it is cool that he said, I have these ideas. I want to put them out so that you can listen to them. Yeah. I mean, after 10 or so years, 10 or 12 years, he finally kicked heroin. And he did, you know, start out snorting it and then went to, to shooting it. And then, you know, that's bad. So, but I'm glad they're all around. I'm glad they're all alive. So you never know what can happen. I just don't think, I mean, yeah, Donnie Darko was probably the height of, as far as in movies, like that, that's what yeah. people would know. And that, although it's kind of a cult classic, that wasn't like a huge blockbuster or anything. I mean, I think at this point people have seen it. It's got the Gyllenhaals in it, you know. Yeah, but I think it's one of those movies that, that like you said, is a cult classic. So every year there'll be another crop of college kids who, oh, have you seen this movie? No, put it on. It's not like a, like a, I don't know, what was it? Independence Day or something where it kind of came and went mm-hmm. it was a huge blockbuster but I mean are you going to watch it again no so I think that that was kind of a cool like eternal thing where there will always be somebody new who hears that song and said hey I've, I've never heard of this band before but this this is a great track and my buddy Todd used to say look watch 120 Minutes man and you know like they may play hits or better known songs uh, in the first hour but then you know watch the second and see if you can find something you like and then maybe we can go pick it up and, and see if it's any good and you know for people searching for new music I don't know I guess in this day and age it's easier than ever mm-hmm. but it's also not so easy I, I don't know there's so much stuff out there and a lot of it's free and accessible 
But with all the stuff out there and all the different channels and stuff from which you it's, could it, get it, it's harder. Yeah, it's, it's almost like, you know, you go to look at, you know, back in the day, HBO had like three movies or something. You're like, oh, I can't wait to watch. Now you can watch anything you want. You're like, ah, I can't find anything I want to watch. There's <laughs> 25,000 things on Netflix. The same thing. I don't even know what to listen to because there's so much. And yeah, back in the day when you had a record contract, like you had, there was some kind of quality control with that. Now anybody can put out anything. So yes, that the good news is there's a lot more stuff to listen to. The bad news is most, a lot of it is probably terrible. It's just somebody fooling around, but yeah, it's like drinking from a fire hose. And how do you find it, right? How do you find it? You know, we used to get it from MTV, one channel. We used to get it from rock radio Mm -hmm. and maybe we would have friends or relatives or somebody like that who could share stuff with us. But now, yeah, there's internet, there's YouTube, there's their own websites. There's all the social media you can put it out on. There's a million ways to get it out there. So if I say, okay, new hard rock band, I'm going to get pages and pages and pages, you know, of the stuff, you know. So, I mean, and, all right, how do I choose which one to listen to? You know, if I like it, am I going to buy it? You know, what do I download for free? And, and the way you consumed it back in the day was, for us, it was cassettes, much more than LPs, because I could put my cassette in the car. I could put my cassette in the Walkman. The CD was kind of the same thing. We could put it in the car. We could, you know, it sounded good on the stereo. But now, I mean, I get stuff, I listen to the Echo, I listen to Alexa, who can play me just about anything I want. Mm. And then I also like to listen to stuff on my headphones, like via the phone or, or something like that, maybe via the internet. So I don't know, just the way music has changed has made it harder to find, to me, smaller bands. And, and there's no launch point. I mean, there might be a festival, but there haven't really been any festivals lately, have there? No. And and that's and that's kind of the problem, too, is, yeah, how do you, how do you get... Okay, you're out there, but how do you get to the right people or how do you get exposure? And and kind of the, the sad part about digital stuff is that when you had, even when you had a cassette, you could fast forward, but it, that wasn't an exact science. Mm-hmm. You know, the, you probably could miss it. So you would end up just listening to the whole thing. And I think that's a bygone deal too, because you miss a lot of tracks that are buried in there that you, you would have, you could probably skip over easily now. But when you had the, either the record or the cassette, you're like, eh, I'll just listen to the whole thing. And then it, it becomes a total experience exactly and sometimes if your batteries were low uh, fast forwarding eats the battery more than playing it does right remember those days it's like no no don't fast forward it man because the battery's low just 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 play it. it Yeah, play it. We'll get to the song you like in a minute. Or you went through the, okay, now you're halfway through the next, I told you just leave it alone. Just leave it and we'll (laughs) listen to the whole thing. I mean, if you had the real fancy one, it it knew where to stop, but I didn't have that. So it was just, yeah, just let it go because I don't want the thing to get eaten either if if you fast forward too much. Well, you know, I, I learned something interesting about Marty Wilson Piper in doing this research and he has something called the In Deep Music Archive. Okay. And he has been collecting records his whole life, of course, and has them in, you know, all formats, you know, Vinyl and CD, cassette, 8-track, reel-to-reel, 78, whatever. Laserdiscs, all the stuff that we've had over the years. And between, like, searching through record stores all over the world and getting record companies to give him stuff and friends and all that kind of stuff, he has over 50,000 vinyl records in this collection. And it's located in Penzance in Cornwall, England, which is basically the very southwest tip uh, of England. Yeah, it, it is cool to see somebody like that. Now that record collecting has become more in vogue now again because mm-hmm. for a while nobody wanted records which actually no, actually kind of stinks too because now used records are like 50 bucks a pop and you used to be able to get them for a dollar that's right because no one wanted them but it is cool to see a giant record collection and it's cool to talk to somebody who's actually listened to them and can say okay here's what do you want to listen to something like this okay let me let me introduce you to this record right it's pretty cool and especially stuff that like you can't get anymore that 
That's really cool. Yeah. So hats off to you, Marty. Thanks for doing that. And there's a digital, there's a digital piece of it. And it's always talking about new stuff that they're going to be able to release or listen to and, or collect or something like that. So it's, it's kind of neat, worth checking out. So underrated, underknown, I would certainly say, underappreciated mm-hmm. band, The Church. But if it's one that we can highlight a little bit from the show, I'm happy to do it because they've made a lot of great music over the years. Starfish was the entry point for me and so many others, but a lot of people dropped it after that. Uh, but going back and finding Heyday and Unguarded Moment and, and then seeing them over the years and, and, and then eventually getting to meet them, I don't know, it was it was pretty neat for me. I know, and for a band like The Church, that makes a big difference. Like if, if Rush charges you know makes an extra you know however many dollars letting you know 50 fans come back and take pictures before the show that makes a big difference to the fans but it doesn't make a whole lot of difference to the bank accounts at Rush but if, if they do a 30 date tour in the U.S. And that gives them an extra, call it whatever you want, $2,500, $3,000 a night, you know, to do these meet and greets. Well, that's that's like an extra six figures to split among the band, you know, by the end of the tour. So that, that it goes a long way for those bands. So I'm always happy to do that if it's, if it's a possibility. And the other thing that's kind of cool, too, is... I mean, let's face it, you could you could meet you could pay to meet Getty and Alex, and I know that you've done that, and you can tell them how great they are and how much they meant to you, and they oh, okay, you know, I've heard that from you know nine thousand other people. But I think for a band like this, I think it would really mean something to them because they to that to somebody like a Steve Kilby, I'm sure he he's doing this for exactly the same reason. Just he didn't have the commercial success, but to hear somebody say, Yeah, I really like to listen to your music as an artist, you can't ask for any else that's that's what i wanted i wanted somebody to hear this what was in my head and say what i i connected with that i really enjoyed that thank you yeah it was great and i could i could push up pretty close too i mean i was awfully close to the stage and you know it was cool at at the beginning peter cops was doing some slide work on 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 a song and then Mm -hmm. you know he didn't need it anymore so he basically took it off and threw it behind it just threw it over his head and there's a roadie about 10 feet behind it who grabbed it and then went stuck it back in the box or whatever like that's a little stage you know minor league stage there I kind of like that yeah yeah guys that have been working together for a long time you know that's what he's gonna do yeah and it was cool it was great to be able to see him up close and in a kind of intimate it's a club basically you know and I saw Ace Fraley there like a year later or something like that so that's the kind of size of the joint that it was but it was it was fun it was nice it was a good experience you know and so that's why you have to support all artists but support the artists that you like especially those that aren't platinum sellers you know make sure you go out and see them buy their records they have a meet and greet you know pay up i mean i'm talking it was a hundred bucks or maybe 120 bucks if you want to go meet kiss you know they have it between 500 and 5,000 the different levels that you can pay you know to to have your picture taken with gene and paul you know but and, and what is that really going to be okay great you know click and then move on yeah, move yeah on. okay great shake a hand click and then move on but yeah that's ridiculous. How <laughs> much money? But they get it, so obviously people are paying for it's, it. Yeah, it's it's in demand. Good for them. <laughs> Starfish always hold a special place in my heart, I guess. Yeah, to, and to me, it, it, it reminds me of college because that's when I got into it. So every time I hear that, anything from that, it's like, oh yeah, ah, the good old days. Just yes. brings you back. And to me, that's that's a one. That's one of the things that music can do for you. It can it can you can like it just for the track itself. Mm. Or it can bring you back to a place just, you know, 
for four minutes and 22 seconds, just put a smile on your face. Like, you know what? I remember that. Huh? Okay, cool. Whatever, you know, whatever crap you're going through in your life now, you know, I got to get these emails done. I got, Hey, remember that time that we dot, dot, dot. Yeah. That was awesome. Okay, cool. Man, who cares about this email? Have a nice day. They say that that's your musical taste forms until you're, you know, maybe 25 or something like that. And then after that, you're an adult and all the, all the songs that you really truly love and remember it's, it's emotional more than just sonic you know it ties yeah. you back and that's what I think when we did our Asia thing why does he the moment why do I love it so much I can't really explain why but it just it hit me in a certain spot in the brain at a certain time in my life that he imprinted on me and then it, it, it's been a part of my life and that's what Starfish and Under the Milky Way and that whole record were to me printed on me at an important time teenager trying to figure out who you are you know whole girl things are happening you know you're trying to get into sports you're trying to get into college but you're also trying to say well what that's that's what everybody does. What do I do? You know, well, I like music. Okay, well, what music? The same stuff everybody likes? Well, no, I'm trying to find what my musical voice is. And yeah, Rush and Led Zeppelin and the Stones are accessible and well-known. But what else is out there? And that's when I found the church, uh, and I'm glad I did. Yeah, it, it, like you were saying, like it's stuff like the Rolling Stones and Led Zeppelin, that's all easy, especially for us in high school. Oh, I like that. Oh, of course you do. I mean, that's, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, yeah, to find that, like you've got a little, Ooh, I got a secret right. that no one else knows. And then, you know, if you're, are you cool? Because if you're cool, I'll let you listen to this record and I think you're going to like it. And then, you know, you get somebody else who then you kind of have that connection with, you know, a couple other of your friends who are like, mm -hmm. yeah, 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 but we listen to this record. So, yeah, it is music can be very cool as a communal experience, too. And I hope we get back to uh, being able to see it live again here at some point because that's where the real magic happens, man. But mm -hmm. A live concert experience brings people together like nothing else more so than sport because there's always going to be some people on the opposing side of a sporting match but at a concert everybody's kind of there for the same reason i, I can't i can't imagine anybody's there like i hate this band but i showed up anyway <laughs> nah, yeah you're yeah for that yeah for that hour or something or whatever and i remember that especially when we went to the uh the kiss reunion concert in mm -hmm. madison square garden everybody was like they were the same thing like i can't believe this is happening i've been wanting to do this since i was fill in the blank age right now we finally get to do this and yeah everybody was together on that it was pretty cool yeah and the same thing when we went to go see uh page and plan same thing i never thought this would happen ah exactly like I, I dreamed of seeing jimmy page and robert plant for so long or even the stones on voodoo lounge going with you was important yes. to me not just seeing the stones it was like i want to go with jackson because we play those old stones records together and we got into it together and it's like and seeing them with someone who's going to appreciate where he is i mean versus taking some chick you know it's like i want to go with jackson man that's going to be a beautiful experience for us that we can talk about 30 something years later yes that's fantastic <laughs> That wraps episode number 30 of the Ugly American Werewolf in London Rock podcast. And we really appreciate everyone tuning in all over the world. These are trying times for all. And if our little show brightens your day in any way, that's what it's all about. So hang in there and keep listening. We hope you liked our take on The Church, Starfish, an album that I found back in the day, high school. A little different from what I was used to. Not everybody heard it or got it. 
But I thought it was cool, and I thought we'd share it with you here today. Hopefully it helps you explore some of the other great songs by the church, or maybe see them in the next year or so once everybody can do that again. Now next week, we've got a little bit of a surprise for you, something we've kind of been cooking up here for a little while on The Wolf, something we're really excited about, something that we've been thinking about, something that hasn't happened in a long time. So you'll have to tune in next week. Our shows come out Thursdays, and you can get them anywhere you get your podcast: Apple, Spotify, Amazon, anywhere you get your podcast, And you can hear all past episodes and get our code at www.uglyamericanwerewolf.libsyn, L-I-B-S-Y-N.com. Please follow us on Twitter at Ugly underscore Werewolf or at ActionJack72. Big church fans, we got something wrong. We want you to let us know. Did we get something right? Did we get something wrong? Did we miss the point? You've got to tell us. And that's how we're going to learn and help spread the right word. So until next week, rock and rollers all over the world, be cool and stay safe. Venture X card from Capital One gives you premium travel benefits. Perfect for seeing Taylor Swift The Eras Tour. Presented by Capital One. Oh, I do love her. Earn five times miles on flights and ten times miles on hotels through Capital One Travel. Enjoy your stay in Suite 13. Whoa, 13? That's Taylor's lucky number. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.